Greetings! I am the mighty Master Voluminous. Teacher, commentator, and most importantly to you, storyteller. Today's episode is special because we've reached what I believe to be an important milestone. This podcast is primarily hosted on Anchor FM, on which we have a total of 126 total listens. We've also reached over 15 followers on Spotify. So, I want to extend my immense gratitude to you, dear listener, dear subscriber, dear follower, as well as a congratulations. You have pleased me greatly, and as such, you shall be rewarded. If you are listening on Anchor, I want you, at the end of this episode, to send me a message. This message can be a comment, a critique, even a simple hello. If you are listening on a platform that does not offer a messaging feature, then send an email through to mortiferousarcadia at gmail.com. That's M-O-R-T-I-F-E-R-O-U-S-A-R-C-A-D-I-A at gmail.com. And you will receive a free PDF copy of the six-chapter horror novella Pinky for your reading pleasure. If this is your first time with us, Don't feel bad. You are more than welcome to participate. Because just by being here today, you are part of what will soon be a mighty congregation. (laughs) Now I know I said that we'd be starting a new book today, but because of this celebration, which I had not intentionally planned, I'm postponing that. Instead, we'll look at a quick, short story called Scar, which you can find on Wattpad under the profile Mortiferous Arcadia. There's a phrase I want you to remember as we read this graphic and gory tale. He who knows only pain is more than happy to share it. (laughs) Before we begin reading, I am going to list all the ways in which you may seek more content or an audience with the master. First, check out mortiferousarcadia.blogspot.com, that is our main website. Or send an email to mortiferousarcadia at gmail.com, if you wish to express how this story made you feel. Look up Mortiferous Arcadia on Facebook and Wattpad. And finally, search Master Voluminous on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Tumblr, DeviantArt, or Pinterest and give us a follow. Scar, also known as Leon, is available on Wattpad under the profile Mortiferous Arcadia. Enjoy. I sit in this cold, dark cell, my arms forcefully wrapped around me by a straitjacket, 
and chains for good measure. My mouth is muzzled, my eyes closed, legs chained together, and my ears are blocked with muffs. My name is Bruce Thompson. I am patient 17 at the Kasiri City Asylum. Most of the people in here are committed because they're a danger to society. I mean, I'm in here with mass murderers, serial killers, and cult leaders. If you ask any of the doctors and orderlies, they tell you I'm a special case. I'm in here for my protection. You might ask, from who? Well, from myself, of course. At least that's what I've been told. By my family, teachers at school, so-called best friends, neighbors, pretty much everyone I've ever known. That's what the orderlies and doctors will tell any reporter, psychologist, student, or police detective that comes by my cell. Before they started blocking my ears, I would hear them. Is he dangerous? That's the visitor's usual question. Only to himself, the general response. The fact is, it's not my fault. Is it ever a person's fault that they cut themselves? Is it ever the fault of a person that they have clinical depression? Is it my fault that I tried to kill myself? No, it's theirs. They laughed at me. They beat me. They made a fool out of me constantly without fail. But none were worse than him, my own brother, nearly drove me insane, tormenting me day after day since we were little, plaguing me with nightmares, filling my head up so much with horrors that I still can't think straight. I wouldn't want to end their own life if everyone they knew made it miserable. The orderlies in this place are no different. They make fun of me like all the others. I was getting better until they started making stide remarks about the scars on my body, that I looked like the Frankenstein monster or the killer doll, or how I must be super retarded from cutting myself. I would claw at my skin and pull out my hair so they cut off my nails and tied me up. The cuts, bruises, and open wounds sent surges of pain through my body. They tell me it's for my own good, being locked up, I mean. I asked for the earmuffs so that I wouldn't have to hear them talk, to hear them lie. To hear them laugh. Now it's all I can hear. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of them. I'm tired of sitting in this cold, dark cell, 
being fed disgusting slop and swallowing these useless pills. I'm tired of being a caged animal. I... The pain, the pain is back. It's, it's like every single blood vessel is on fire. It's, it's hot. I, I need to get out. I want out. I want out now. Light, blinding light. The door, it's open. Two men walking in. Must have been screaming. The skinny, bald, dark-skinned one. Francis says something. Fat one. Glasses, pink skin, brown hair. Larry starts laughing. Laughing. He's laughing at me. They're laughing at me. Pain's getting worse. Old wounds are reopening. Scars are throbbing. Skin tearing. Muscles expanding. I... I'll kill them all! All of them, yes. I'll gut them like fish. I'll break their spines, rip off their limbs, crush their skulls, and then I'll be laughing. I'll be laughing when they share my pain with them. I just need to get out of this stupid straitjacket. I pull my arms out of the self-hugging position and snapped the chains around my legs. Where did this strength come from? The two orderlies stand in shock and fear. Larry screams for help. Not so amusing now, am I, Larry? Francis, he tries to calm me down. Empty words of so-called compassion. No more lies. I've had enough of the lies. He can't lie if he can't breathe. So I grab him by the trachea. With just my tough thumb and index finger. I'll have time to be shocked by my strength later. I squeeze and he struggles to breathe and tries to fight. The exact opposite of what you should do in a situation when breathing is restricted. But of course, I won't tell him that. And it hurts my fingers because I tore my nails off and the exposed flesh is sensitive. The stinking pain makes me strengthen my grip like a boa constrictor or a python. I squeeze harder every time it ex he exhales. It's like a game. Finally, I relax my grip. I relax my grip just enough to make him think he's safe. And then I squeeze harder than ever, his windpipe feeling like a rolled up piece of paper as I flatten it. The inside of his mouth is like a bird bath of blood. By the time Larry gets back with the help, Four security guards, three orderlies, and a doctor. Nine of them, and one of me. Now, I may not have full comprehension of my current capabilities, but I think it's safe to say 
that I don't like their odds very much. Or maybe I do. I toss Francis's carcass at one of the guards. He's a pretty big guy. Not as big as I seem to have gotten, but big nonetheless. The, limp, the impact of Francis's limp corpse colliding with his own body is enough to send him flying backwards into the other three guards, knocking them over like bowling pins. That had to hurt. But did it hurt enough? Does it hurt like they hurt me? Like my throat hurt from screaming from mommy and daddy when they first locked me up? No, I don't think it will. Not yet. I lumber over to them, ignoring the orderlies trying to calm me down. I'm about to grab one of the guards by the leg to see if I can swing him into the wall like a baseball bat when a needle in Larry's hand catches my eye. I stop in my tracks and stand straight. It's been a while since I've moved this much. The stiffness, it hurts. Larry tries to talk me down with that syringe needle in hand, as if I'm an escaped animal from the zoo. Oh, typical, typical, typical. Treating me like I'm a freak, like I'm less than human. Fine, if they want an animal, I'll give them one. Ripping this jerk's fat gut open is a good start. He tries to inject me, I grab his wrist and snap it like a twig. He lets out a scream of what he thinks is pain. No, Larry, not yet. The guards are on their feet, trying to pull me off me, pull me off him. They grab at me and pull their hands, touching scars and wounds. It hurts, it hurts! Get off me! I yell, throwing them like rag dolls. Larry runs out of the room, clutching his broken wrist. He can wait. I need to deal with these underpaid morons. I grab the closest and put a thumb in each eye. He screams and it hurts my ears. I want it to stop, so I pull the sockets in opposite directions. I can see the flesh tearing exposing bones underneath. He screams even louder as his skull cracks like a coconut. And then I rip his head in half. I look down at my handiwork. This is my second kill today. I guess it's true what they say. Killing really does get easier. But I guess it's not always difficult to begin with. The guy I threw Fr Francis at yells in shock and anger. Apparently the god I just killed was named Ethan. He pulls out a gun and before anyone can stop him, shoots me in the temple. The bullet piercing flesh and bone. The pain. Pain! I send my fist through his chest, 
smashing his ribcage like a wrecking ball through a derelict skyscraper. Scraper. <laughs> Pumping his heart like a water balloon. His brain will still be active for well over seven minutes. Good. The doctor and orderlies ran away. I heard calls for a lockdown. As if I'm going to let them cage me again. Two guards left. They're shooting at me. The pain of the bullets tearing through my flesh pushes me forward. They keep shooting, even as I get within arm's reach of their puny heads. I grab hold of said heads and smash them against each other. In a cartoon, this would be comical. Human skulls sadly have to follow the laws of real-world physics and biology. I look down at the shooter, his lifeless eyes on me. Having counted the seconds, I determined that killing his two friends here took roughly six minutes. Good. Now it's time to get out of here. I can hear alarms ringing from the floor above. They kept me in the basement level. I'm the only patient down here. My cell is at the very end of the hallway. Explains how I had so much time to toy with Francis. As I run along the hall, every moment hurts. Muscle ache, blood leaks from stitched up wounds and scars continue to throb and yet with each surge of pain, I feel the rush of power. The more I hurt, the stronger I feel. I'm also moving faster, too. The pain, it pushes my body beyond its limits. It urges me onwards. I understand. Pain is my only companion. That is the one thing that has never left me. Love it or hate it. The pain has always been there. This realization brings up so many emotions. Sadness, rage, joy, fear, and others. That I can't give words. All of it I release in a primal scream as I run up the stairs because no other form of expression seems to be appropriate. I figure it put unholy fear in the hearts of the 20 security guards that block my path when I come running up those 20 steps. Hmm. 2020. Still don't like their odds. I charge at the guard closest to me. To the concrete wall. He flinches and ducks to the side. Swinging my fist sideways, I crush his skull against the wall. Have you ever seen a watermelon being hit with a sledgehammer? Yeah, that's what it looks like. The other guards start piling on me. One of them tases me. I rip his arm off and shove it down the throat of another, internally tasing her in the process. One of them trips, 
I step on his back, snapping his spine in the process. It's clear at this point that I'm too dangerous to be restrained. They step away from me and open fire. The doctors beg them to stop, but they're not listening. The bullets, the pain, I scream, my voice is, how do I describe it? It's so sinister, so pained, baritone, with a hint of counter-tenure. <laughs> That's not what you're hearing, obviously. Uh, guess I really am a freak after all. A big, ugly, angry freak. The guard whose spine I snapped starts twitching, trying to crawl away. Guess he wasn't completely dead. It seems the others have chosen flight instead of fight and make use of their still-functioning legs. I crush his skull into a puddle of blood, brains, and eyeballs with my foot and chase down the rest of the scum. I grab a straggler, a young brunette Caucasian woman. Looks to be about 18. I was 16 when they brought me here. She gets no mercy from me. I twist her head and neck a full 360 degrees and pull them off like a cork of a wine bottle. I see another guard behind the pack, and with all my strength, I throw the young lady's head at him. She goes right through his chest, leaving a massive bleeding hole in it. I'm surprised that worked, given that the female skeleton is a lot less dense than the male's. Know that the head sustained damage, but I don't have time to dwell on it. Large metal doors come down in front of me. They think they can hold me, cage me, hurt me. With another feral roar, I run through the doors. These things must be solid titanium, and I run through them like drywall. It still hurts. It still hurts. I run up more stairs, and I see one. But other patients keep kept in their cells. Some of them look at me. I seem to rouse their interests. And then one laughs, and it reverberates inside my skull. He's laughing at me. They are laughing at me. This place is full of real sickles. Some of them worst, the worst of humankind. Hmm. Maybe I'll do society this one favor. Once I finished stabbing lungs with ribs and shoving heads up anuses and down throats, I get back to my escape plan. Steel bars block my path to the front desk. I'm about to rip them apart when a doctor, doctor shows up. She's an Arab woman in her mid-fifties, Dr. Abaza. She's the worst of them all. 
She gives the orders around here. She's the one who kept me here for 18 years, claiming she was trying to help me, said she'd never give up on me. Bruce, try to calm down, she says. She has the nerve to tell me to calm down. You're better than this. Was. I was better than this until I get tired of it. Think about what you're doing. Think about what I'm doing? Think about what I'm doing? My whole life. Every plea, every thought, every idea, every word that came out of my mouth was dismissed, ignored, or laughed at. If they believed that I was capable of conscious thought, I wouldn't be here. I clenched my jaw so hard that my teeth either crack or get pushed back into my gums. The pain fueling my anger, making me stronger. I rip the gate apart. I grab the crack of a psychologist by the head. When she tries to flee and make I make her look me in the eyes as I start to crush her skull. The guards and orderies doing everything in their power to stop me. Some of them do manage to inject me with a sedative, I think. But it's too late. The pain is too great. And I won't go away until I'm laughing over their broken little bodies. As I crush the old woman's skull. I could do it instantly, mind you. But I want you. I want her to suffer as I do. Blood leaks out of any hole in her face it can find. She tries for one final plea. For the first time tonight. For the first time in years. I smile. And then I shatter her skull. One of the guards thinks they can get lucky and shoots me in an open wound on my back. The bullet pierces flesh and makes contact with my spine. Everything goes red and then black. I'm back to my senses and I look around. I tore everyone apart like cheap fabric. Guards, orderlies, doctors, the receptionists, and visitors, too. That's a shame. I didn't get to see them suffering. Didn't get to watch them bleed out. Didn't get to hear them scream and yell for help that would never arrive. Didn't. What's that on the counter? Clothes. Shoes folded neatly waiting for me there's a note figured you'd get out eventually got you something to cover up all those hideous scars if you can still grasp the concept of decency <laughs> simon p.s adina and i are totally a couple now she's great in more ways than one if you know what i mean
I'm going to save you for last, brother. That way I can thank you for the clothes. I fold the letter neatly and put on the clothes. A pair of jeans, a wine-colored long-sleeved shirt, big red hooded bomber jacket, red gloves, dark brown boots. I use a red scarf to cover my face. You'll be the only one who gets to see it. I put the letter in my pocket. Go out into this cold winter's night. Yet I can't help but feel that I'm forgetting something. Larry! I yell, running to the parking lot. It hurts to move, especially within snow, and the clothing sliding over the wounds and throbbing scars makes it worse. He's on his way to his car. He turns, sees me charging at him like an angry rhino on steroids, and his eyes nearly pop out of his skull. He runs faster than I expected, but so do I. Although it seems that I'm not fast enough, he peels out of the parking spot with one hand on the wheel. Due to his broken wrist, he drives into the steel gate. How unfortunate. The guard goes to check on him, and Larry tries to beg him to open the gate. Protocol says that no one leaves during the lockdown. That means that they're locked in here with me. Larry sees me in his rearview mirror and freaks out. I must look like the abominable snowman. The guard sees me and orders me to stop. He orders me, like they always did. He says he should. He'll shoot me. Threats, just like the bullies at the school. <laughs> the bullet pierces my lower abdomen, possibly my small intestine. Pain. My chest. Pain. My right cheek. Pain. I tear both his arms off and proceed to beat him to death with them. Satisfied, I turn to the frightened orderly. I rip off the door and drag him out, kicking and screaming. I then to proceed to bend both his legs backwards. His screaming is hurting my ears. Maybe I should have kept the earmuffs. He passes out. Oh no, Larry, we're not done yet. I reset the bones, which jolts him awake, screaming again. I remembered something I want to try early. Yeah. <clears throat> Grabbing one leg, I swing his fat, wailing carcass into the steel gate. It's enough to break several of his bones and dent the gate. I swing his body at the gate again, and again until I punch a hole straight through it. I probably could have done that myself, but where's the fun in that? There's no one left at this place to share my agony with. Wait, are those sirens? I haven't heard them in a long time. The noise, the voices, the bullets. The pain. The pain. The pain! <laughs> Mommy and Daddy didn't love me, so I'm gonna go murder a whole bunch of people. <laughs>
pussy. Well, regardless of how whiny and bitchy the protagonist is, this story was definitely delightfully gory. What an excellent way to celebrate Nick Borston's mind milestone. And with some excessively graphic descriptions of gore. <laughs> I love it so much. I love it. I love suffering. It's always so beautiful. <laughs> oh, relax it of yourselves. Well, that was an enjoyable read. So then, be sure to tune in next time. The next episode of Illuminous Reads will have us starting with Vator Feel Free to Die. So please tune in and let us. And remember, I want you to message me, whether on Anchor or some other podcasting fo- platform or via email at mortiferousarcadia at gmail.com and you will receive a free copy of Pinky. My gift in Yadike. I don't see what the problem is. You're getting something for free. Something the author poured his heart and soul into. Be sure to thank him. <laughs> Goodbye, my listeners. See you next time. In the world of beauty and mania. In the world of mortiferous Arcadia. Ha 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 